And we are on air for Fan for Racing's Las Vegas NASCAR Weekend Preview with our Hot Topic Sound Off at 10. And joining me for our show tonight is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, I was looking for the Viva Las Vegas song here for the intro, but uh, <laughs> I guess we'll have to sing it ourselves later on in the night. I think that comes during Hot Topics, but uh, great to be on again here tonight, waiting to preview Las Vegas Motor Speedway here for the NASCAR weekend. Absolutely. We are going to um, start in this first half hour. We're going to take about 15 minutes to do some ARCA updates for the Arca Menard Series as well as the East and West Series, and then 15 minutes for some short track updates. At 9 o'clock, we have our guests coming on board, and I'm really looking forward to this. Amber Slagle with Cook Racing Technologies will be on board, and we'll talk to her about what, about what she's done uh, in racing with the Arkham and Art Series and, and uh, elsewhere. And then we'll also talk to her about what she plans to do this season uh, with racing. So look for, looking forward to that. Uh, in the next 15 minutes uh, during that half hour, we'll do our Truck Series Las Vegas Motor Speedway preview. And then starting at 9.30, we'll have 15 minutes each for the Xfinity and the Cup Series preview. Of course, our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off will start at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. So I'm sure we'll have a lot well. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and get started with the Arkham and Art Series, Jay. We've got uh, a lot going on in that series. Uh, probably the biggest news that recently came out is that um, we know her as Krista Volda. She is now known as Kristen, Krista Kelly, is going to become the first female play-by-play announcer on Mad TV, and Mike Massaro. A lot of people will recognize that name, will be part of the uh, pit crew reporter group. So definitely looking forward to that this season. Yeah, great combination, uh, I think, there, uh, as we see. And we've seen that with uh, Krista Kelly now. Uh, make sure I get that right. Um, mm-hmm. Being the lead broadcaster, we've seen that in a couple of different places, I think is working out really well. Uh, Mav TV's first female play-by-play announcer, uh, for live programming, but to, I think that combination there uh, works really well, and, and we see that things like this happening as we see that in um, connection to grassroots racing and the short track racing and coverage of these series taking uh, taking place and that focus that they're really upping their game in my opinion. I think so too. I really love it. We had Brandon Paul on from Flow Racing. Uh, a week ago, and uh, now we hear this great news about what's happening on MAV TV as well. And I'm just so excited uh, to hear this. I think it's so wonderful. And you're right, it's up in their game. Uh, but also, uh, if you go to arcaracing.com, you'll see that there's a spotlight on Roger Carruth. He's with Rev Racing, and they did some behind the scenes uh, things with him from Daytona. There's also some takeaways from the season openers at Daytona and New Smyrna and, of course, Daytona Race. Uh, But what's exciting is that uh, the next big race that is going to be taking place is going to be three series, one track, 
uh, one race, the general title 150 at Phoenix Raceway on March the 11th. And that's huge news uh, because uh, not only is it the se- uh, second race for the Arkham Menard series, but you're also going to have season openers for Arca West and for the Sioux Chief Showdown series that comprises 10 races within the Arkham Menard series schedule. So, uh, of course, we'll preview that next week. Uh, but you definitely want to mark your calendars for this one at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, March the 11th. Yeah, you're right. This is one of those that happens to be the first of the Sioux Chief Showdown, um, second of the Arkham and Ard Series, and then first of the West. But to get all three in one uh, is really cool. So many different points and, and goals and agendas on the line. Obviously, it starts with everybody. It's to win the race. But there's a lot more going on that races within within the race uh, for different points and things. So I really like that. I know we, we have those a couple times throughout the year. And is really that Sioux Chief showdown with the Arkham Menard series, I think, has really added an element to it that you don't see in other series. Absolutely, without a doubt, uh, Jay. Uh, that really is uh, has been fun to watch. And it's a chance for those drivers uh, – to earn a second championship within the Arkham Menard Series. And you have drivers from the East and the West all coming in to participate in that um, series. So this is also, it should be noted, this is also the first race that will be televised by MAV-TV Motorsports Network. So that's going to be awesome as well. Uh, for those that have the flow racing, you'll be able to watch the live streaming. And it's also going to be available on MRN and SiriusXM radio. So uh, really great uh, to see that very first race uh, from flow racing. Yeah, we talked about that, as you mentioned, with Brandon Paul, of, of them definitely a, a game changer as they are now covering the Arkham and Ard series and all the things they're doing on that platform when it addresses short track and uh, grassroots racing. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this year and into the future. I know when we talked about the television rights and different things of how that's going to tie in a possible uh, streaming platform uh, like that, as that ties into their uh, package deal within the next, what is it, what was it, 2024, I think, that it's uh, due up? I believe so. Uh, so you, this has been really great uh, for the Arkham and Art Series and the East and the West in particular because uh, we now can watch those races all season long live on either Flow Racing or Mav TV or FS1. So and if you, if you don't have those uh, available, you'll be able to watch the tape delay on USA. So uh, it's, it's very, very exciting, without a doubt. Um, just to give you a heads up, though, too, we do have uh, more races happening in March, and I'm just going to mention the March races at this point. Uh, Saturday, March the 19th, uh, so you can mark your calendar, Five Flags Speedway will be the location for the Arca East uh, race that will be taking place there, and that will be their second event of the season. That starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. And on Saturday, March the 26th, 
Darker West will have their second race of the season, and that will be at Irwindale Speedway at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, both of those races are available on Flow Racing, and you can also go to ArcaRacing.com at their Race Central to hear uh, what's happening throughout the race. The Cape Delay will be on USA, and as we give you the previews for those races, we'll give you more details there. So just a heads up on what to watch for in the ARCA Racing Series in the coming months. Well, and I'm sure Sal's excited there as, as we return to Irwindale. I know he's had a lot going on here with the Cup Series, with the Coliseum Race, and then uh, Auto Club Speedway. But to get back with, to Irwindale with the Arca Menards West, I, I know he really enjoys covering that. Yes, he does. He, he's a, a big fan of Irwindale Speedway. He goes to that track uh, quite a bit. It's, it's in his own uh, neck of the woods, if you will. And uh, we've had a lot of the drivers that have raced on at Irwindale Speedway available on our show. So uh, definitely exciting to be back there. And Five Flight Speedway, another big track here in the east, uh, hosts of the Snowball Derby. So a lot of drivers are definitely looking forward to that. And in the next 15 minutes when we get to our short track segment, you're going to hear Five Flight Speedway mentioned again. Uh, There's a lot going on at Five Flight Speedway this month and next month. And and that's one of those that, uh, you know, you mentioned it highlighted, obviously, for the Snowball Derby at the end of the year uh, in the December time frame. But their weekly racing program and some of the other special super late models, as well as hot shots. I know they hosted a big hot shot race in the past year, uh, last year, um, that don't get as much attention. But if you're in that area a track you want to check out, even if it is for their regular weekly racing program. Yes, indeed. So, uh, you know, it's that's why we try to keep you up to date with what's going on in the racing world beyond ARCA and beyond uh, uh, NASCAR because there is so much all around the country uh, that is going on with short track racing and fans have been wanting grassroots racing for a long time. And now with full racing available, you can watch races just about anywhere. Same thing with MAV-TV. I signed up for MAV-TV Plus, and there's so much racing available there. Racing America has uh, live streaming available for local short track racing, too. So uh, definitely places where you can see what's happening all around the country. Now, most certainly, uh, you know, again, uh, even around here, uh, we'll talk about it, as as you mentioned, getting into the uh, short track scene here. A couple in uh, Alabama that got some big races coming up. Um, There's there's some in every state. And as uh, Amber comes on here, guest coming up at 9 o'clock, that's one of the things I haven't talked to her about. Coming out of Michigan, you know, there aren't many that get highlighted out of there, but there's some great tracks up there as well. Yes, indeed. And Amber, uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, And I'll get into more about Amber when we do her uh, setup for when she comes on at 9 o'clock p.m. here tonight. Um, But uh, let's, uh, I know we're a few minutes early, but let's go ahead and hit on some of the things that we wanted to talk about in our short track racing uh, segment here. 
like I said, I know we're a little bit ahead of myself here, uh, but uh, All-American Speedway is going to be hosting the Wild West Shootout. Uh, that's going to be coming up here very soon on March the 5th. That's this weekend. And uh, previous winners have been Jeremy Doss. Uh, you know, there's a championship battle that's going on there. Uh, the returning champion uh, from the Advanced Auto Parts Racing Series is going to be there. Uh, and you've got championship contender Dustin Ash uh, that's going to be racing in that race. This is a big one for the SRL Series. There you go. I talk about it uh, different tracks that you may not know. Um, hopefully, uh, here at Fan for Racing, we can bring you some of that and these driver names. And when we get down a little further, we're going to talk about some more. That that's how you get to know them before they become NASCAR's top three. That's right. That's right. And we told you that Derek Thorne, who is an SRL champion, is racing across the nation this year. The SRL now has a national tournament series. And um, we're going to see, for Derek Thorne, not just in the West, he's going to be racing in the East and the Midwest and all across the country this season. So there is so much to look forward there there as uh, we kind of highlight some of these big events that are going on around the country. And that's one of those I think Sal was talking about before he became a uh, nationwide known name. You know, we've seen him show up at the Snowball Derby. Sal was, you know, talking about him when he was running weekly races out there. Mm-hmm. That's true. He also worked, used to be known as the Canon Pro Series, uh, the Arca East and Arca West. Uh, he was a champion in that series as well, and we've had him on our show many, many times. You know, I think that was about the time I started working with you and, and really got to uh, be more familiar with, I think I told you that when I joined, uh, again, semi-aware of the K&N series, but wasn't a huge follower, and doing this show and working with you and getting to um, watch it and, and learn about it and then now we've talked about it, MAV-TV, the coverage, you know, it is being nationally broadcast, the replays coming on USA, um, that everybody is, just as I know Sal said, he wasn't that familiar with the main Arkham Menard series. Same thing goes that direction. Exactly. Arkham Menard series was always a Midwest touring series. It started here in the Midwest and, and for many, many years has been a Midwest touring series. And, and uh, we've introduced ARCA to the West Coast, and now they're racing all over the country uh, with the ARCA East and the ARCA West series. Uh, I thought ARCA West last year was one of the more fun series to watch under the ARCA umbrella. And uh, you didn't know until that final race who was going to come up as the champion. Yeah, you can't, you're right, you can't ask much more than that. I know we talked about that, of not having the chase for the championship like uh, the top series does, but it wasn't needed because you had multiple drivers that could have come out of that as the champion, and it does come down to those final laps, that final race, the final laps, and you can't ask anything more than that. No, indeed. It doesn't get any any more exciting than that for sure. Okay, uh Another thing I wanted to kind of get into here tonight, there was a big announcement from Bobby Labonte uh, today. Uh, he raced last year in the Southern Modified Racing 
teams. It's called SMART, uh, Southern Modified Auto Racing Teams. That's what uh, SMART stands for. Uh, and now he's going to return once again to pilot that number 25 cookout tour modified uh, for this season. So the first race of the season is set for March 5th. That's this weekend out at Florence Motor Speedway in Timmonsville, South Carolina. So uh, get out there. If you're out in that area, you'll get a chance to watch uh, a racing legend and Hall of Famer, Bobby Labonte, out there on the track. This is one of those you call a win-win-win-win situation. You know, Bobby Labonte still likes to race, obviously isn't doing it at the top level anymore, but still wants to compete. Then you get the, the tracks and the promoters that have the opportunity that I'm sure they're going to capitalize on it, a name like that racing with them. And we've had that discussion about top drivers going to other series or other tracks, but it is a benefit. And the fans, the, the fans get to see them. You know, maybe they didn't get a chance to go to a cup race, but to go to a, a short track like that and see him um, in a modified, you know, I think of Ken Schrader, you know, all the times I met him, it wasn't at, at a cup track or at a cup race. It was at a dirt track or it was at a, a local asphalt track. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, this is this is going to be really fun to watch. And their schedule actually runs from March 5th at Florence Motor Speedway through October 15th at Tri-County Speedway. Uh, they're going to be going to tracks like Southern National Motorsports Park and Caraway Speedway in March. In April, they'll be at South Boston Speedway and Franklin County Speedway. Uh, their next race doesn't happen until J- at the end of June at Caraway Speedway. And then in September, they'll be at Cataray County Speedway, uh, Orange County Fair Speedway, and Dominion Raceway. And then three races in October at the Motor Mile Speedway, Hickory Motor Speedway, and Tri-County Speedway. So we'll try to hit on at least some of those races throughout the season uh, and, and give you some updates about Bobby Labonte. Uh, we actually had him on the show once. It'd be really cool if we can get him back on the show again. Well, and that's one of those, too, if you're not familiar with the Modifieds, uh, I know that's one of my dad's favorite when it comes to dirt track, the, the Asphalt Modifieds might be one of, I think, uh, they list as far as the most horsepower when it comes to uh, racing. Okay. So, and and Bobby Labonte, uh, he's a NASCAR champion, and uh, uh, it is so good to see him still out there at the track uh, and mingling with fans, if you will, uh, of short track racing and, and this modified racing. Okay, now we also wanted to touch on this, Sal. Uh, the Alabama 200 uh, has an entry list of 40 cars already. It might even be more than that now. Uh, but there's a lot of people looking forward to this. It's going to be held this weekend, March 6th. Uh, the, um, is that right? Not this weekend. That was last year's. Yeah, the uh, Alabama 200 is this weekend, yes. Oh, it is this weekend. Okay. Um, yep. So 40 drivers on that list, that's a lot of drivers. It is, and running through it, I know there was uh, at least one. I, I didn't get a chance to compare the two lists, 
But we talked about this last week with the uh, Alan Kowicki uh, finalists. One of them is on there. Let me see if I can pull that back up now where I had the whole entry list. Well, you're looking for that. I just want to tell you some of the past winners, too. Richard Petty, Bobby Allison, Red Farmer, Neil Bonnet, Donnie Allison, and Chase Elliott are all past winners of this race out at Montgomery Motor Speedway. And that that did surprise me to see some of the names you mentioned as previous winners. Um Here's one I was looking for, the number 22 of Evan Shoko. Uh, he was one that was in that Alan Kowicki final, uh, 16 semifinalists. Oh, wow, that is, that is fantastic. Uh, they have $10,000 on the line this year. Uh, it's drawn a lot of interest, uh, like I said, with over 40 people on, on the entry list. Um, one, of, one of the most recent additions to start the 2022 season, Michael Hindi, he won the Speed Fest Pro Late Model feature, as well as the Pro Late Model Championship at New Sperna World Series of Asphalt Stock Car Racing. He had three wins during that event. Uh, so along with Stephen Nassie, he's a two uh, runner-up finishes in the Southern Super Series events at Montgomery, including last year, behind Connor, and I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Do you know? Oak Zesk? Yeah, I don't know that I could do it any better. I probably butchered it. And then there's a bunch of Alabama uh, entrance on the list, Justin Bonnet, Jim Wall, Dustin Smith, Grant Thompson, Landon Devon, Jeff Dawkins, John Bolin, Jackson Bishop. Oh, and this one is a big one. I'm going to skip it for a minute. Uh, Justin South, Nick McFarland, and Spencer Bragg, along with JoJo Wilkinson, Jay. Yeah, I was reading through that, too. I know there, again, it's one of those of – you like to think of it hometown track, but with the, the attention it draws, even for this early in the season, it's obviously not the level of the snowball derby, but a couple of these races are getting on up there that you see some of these other names that are, that are becoming a part of it. And as you mentioned, the previous winners. Oh, absolutely. Uh, again, uh, there's going to be plenty of championship caliber representation from elsewhere in the country. There's com- people coming from all over uh, the U.S. to try to chase after that $10,000 prize. So uh, this is one to keep your eye on uh, this weekend. Is that Friday or Saturday night that they're racing this? Uh, the fifth is actually Saturday night, I believe. Okay, Saturday night. Uh, out there at Montgomery uh, Speedway. So uh, Montgomery Motor Speedway. Uh, If you're anywhere in that area, you can watch for this race. Uh, They will be televising it or streaming it, I should say, over at Racing America. So uh, you might look for it over at Flow Racing as well. And just to mention there, uh, if you haven't seen these, the Modifieds of Mayhem, and then the Impact Zone Photos Outlaws, uh, two of the classes there that run on a weekly basis in the Alabama area tracks, uh, ones you don't want to miss. Uh, you know, yes, it is about the prestigious pro late model event, but these support classes, if you will, put on one heck of a show. 
They certainly do. And let's talk about JoJo Wilkinson. Uh, she's going to be our guest uh, next week, I believe. Is it next week, Jay? Uh, yes, uh, Thursday night and next Thursday it'll be between two as the Rattler will be coming up at uh, Southern Alabama Raceway as well then the following weekend. And while we were chatting there, I did uh, reach out to the team. Uh, it's their first day in the Jet Motorsports Pro Late Model. She's racing uh, 10 races with the Jet Motorsports this year. Uh, so they spent the day, said, meshing with the team in the new car. And there's some major changes going from the GARC to Fury. So they said, said they spent the day uh, adjusting to those changes. Um, and they know that it's a stout field uh, that will require a last chance qualifier. So they're looking for a good outcome with uh, JoJo in the Jet Motorsports team this year. You know, she's been with a family-run uh, own team up until now. Okay, so uh, you can mark your calendars for that for next show. Uh, she'll be on at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, JoJo Wilkinson uh, with Jet Motorsports. So uh, definitely looking forward to talking with her as well. Yeah, and I know we, we've hit on her a couple of times. I've seen her races. I've been to this uh, Montgomery uh, race, I, I believe it was last year or the year before, um, didn't get a chance to go to the Rattler. And that's, that's one of those where I highly encourage fans to go out to these local dirt tracks, uh, or I'm sorry, asphalt tracks. Um, you know, and I, you, everybody knows I'm a dirt track person, but I'm one of those that racing is racing and, and the show they put on. And the other one I want to shout out to there, I think we saw at Huntsville Speedway, is um, Justin Bonnet. Uh, unfortunately, the, the race we were at, we saw him involved in a, a, in a rather fiery crash. But that's another one, that name, you're going to start seeing more and more of. Okay. Now, uh, we should also mention that uh, uh, JoJo is the daughter of former Arkham and Art Series competitor John Wilkinson, and she's going to be making, I think you said this before, her sixth start at Montgomery Motor Speedways in the Alabama 200 this Saturday. Uh, however, it's going to be the first time she's competed in the event in her home state while driving for a different team. So uh, that's kind of uh, interesting as well. Okay. Yeah, and we, we also – go ahead. Oh, one last thing there as, as, as we wrap up and get ready for our guest here tonight. I know that's what you were getting ready to do. Um, got some starts, and we'll, we'll talk to her about that with Bill McAnally Racing when it comes to the Arkham Menards West Series. Yes, yes. You know, uh, uh, she has raced in the Arca West, and the, uh, I'm not sure if she's, it's the East or not, but she's raced in Arca before. So uh, we'll watch for her uh, to be on the entry list uh, throughout this season, too. Okay, I do want to get ready for our next guest. Uh, our next guest is Amber Slagle, uh, and I'm so excited about this because she hasn't taken – I think the typical route uh, to her career, uh, because it sounds like it in the beginning, uh, she started racing at seven years old in quarter midgets uh, and had a lot of awards uh, from 2007 to 2009 there. Also, she moved up to the Champion Racing Association in 2014 uh, and had some great success in that. Um, and then... Uh, 
she in t- last year, this is where I want to pick this up. Last year, she became a crew chief for Cook Finley Racing, uh, and that included Parker Retzlap in the Arkham Menard Series. They earned one top five and four top tens that season. I'm, not, I'm going to just repeat that. She was the crew chief <laughs> for Cook Finley Racing. Uh, last year, she also uh, made her debuts in the Arkham Menard Series uh, West with a race out at Irwindale Speedway where she started fourth. She made two more starts that year, posting her first top ten at All-American Speedway. Uh, that's a very big track out there in the West. So... <clears throat> Uh, she does all kinds of things. She's a mechanic, uh, a racer, uh, and uh, a crew chief. So that is pretty darn interesting. And we're right at the top of the hour, so I'm going to bring her into the queue. And Amber Slago, we've been talking about how you got into racing with quarter midgets at the age of seven uh, and how that led in a driver. That's amazing. Welcome to our show. Yeah, it's good to be on. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me and tell my story some more. Well, tell us how this all evolved, Amber, for you. How did you become interested in not only driving but also the mechanical side of racing? Yeah, so like you guys said, uh, I started racing at the age of seven in quarter midgets back in my hometown of Waterford, Michigan. Um, My dad actually got me started in racing. I'm a first-generation racer, but uh, it's something that he's always been around, and he was into drag racing. And my mom, on the other hand, she, she wanted me to be the cheerleader and dancer like she was. And unfortunately, that just, that wasn't something for me. And my parents, they wanted to find something that I wanted to do and that I enjoyed doing growing up. And um, my dad had a friend that his daughter raced quarter midgets. And they said, how about you just come out and bring her and let's let her test one. Well, that night my, my dad ended up bringing this quarter midget home. And my mom came home from work and was like, are you kidding me? You're putting our seven-year-old daughter in What? <laughs> And that's how it all started. It, I fell in love that day, and um, they they haven't been able to keep me out of a race car. So it's something I fell in love with, and it brings me to where I am today. I just I always worked on my stuff with my dad out in the garage growing up. It was just me and my dad, and that was it. We didn't have anybody to help us, and um, I I just wanted to learn, and I wanted to be a better race car driver, and I feel to become better, you need to know how to work on them and, and know how everything works when you're behind the wheel. And that's kind of where it's brought me today. It just, unfortunately, uh, funding stopped me a little bit from driving up in Michigan. And I decided that if I couldn't race, I still wanted to be involved in the sport in one way or another. That It's my passion and it's what I love. So I uh, packed everything up from Michigan at 21 and I moved away from my family, and I came down here and started working, um, not knowing that I would ever drive again. And then here I am now, four years later, and I've made three ARCA starts, and I've been racing late models. And uh, it's just crazy to see how much can change in four years. 
Absolutely. And, and you know, we talk, we've talked to other female racers, but I don't think I've heard any of them talk about working on the mechanical side of their racing careers. Um, so you're not afraid to get your hands dirty, but talk a little bit about how having that knowledge helps you as a racer. Yeah, I, I definitely think it has helped me for sure. Um, I think just in the past four years, too, I've learned so much uh, that goes on in the shop and behind the scenes just working on them that it's grown my knowledge where I feel like when I'm behind the wheel now, I have better communication skills with my crew chief, and I, I know what to ask for, and I know what to expect out of the changes that are going to come. Um, I know what they're doing and I just feel it gives me a better understanding every time I go out onto the racetrack on, on what to expect, what changes my crew chief made, and how it could change the handling, where um, it could make me better on the racetrack, but where it might also hurt me on the racetrack. There's there's a lot of things that go into it, and that's something that's really helped me just get better is just the knowledge and everything that goes into it, because to me, there's there's so much more in this sport than just driving them. And there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of people don't get to see in the shop and all the work that the guys put into these race cars. So it's, uh, I, I feel like over the past four or five years, it's helped me grow not only as a race car driver, but as a person um, all around. That's pretty fantastic. Now, you're with Cook Racing Technologies this year. They're headquartered in Mooresville, North Carolina. So when you said you moved here, that's where you moved to, I believe. Is that right? Yep. Yes, I am in uh, Mooresville, North Carolina right now, yes. Okay. So uh, I know you're driving part-time in the number 42, and uh, your teammates are Christian Rose, who we had on our show recently, uh, mm-hmm. and then also Landon Lewis. So yeah. talk a little bit about that and how that's working out. Yeah. Yes, so Christian was my teammate last year. Uh, he's done a lot of fun to work with and just kind of watch him grow into the race car driver he's come to. And um, I've able, been able to help him out a lot too. It's also something else I've done is, you know, driver coach um, the drivers that have come up through and just help them out, especially at tracks that I've raced. Um, in the late model and I've been able to work with Christian a lot and it's been a lot of fun but um, yeah Landon Lewis uh, he'll be my teammate this year we're still I'm still seeking some partners for this year to put some ARCA races together so working hard at that and hoping we can reach out to some potential partners that want to come on board with me for the 2022 ARCA season and try to uh put some more races together and keep growing what we um, did last year. Amber, do you know which races uh, you're going to be racing and which ones you might be on top of the pit box? Because I know you were on top of the pit box last year quite a bit. Yeah, I am not 100% sure what races I'm going to be doing this year. Um, I know I'm going to be racing out west a couple more times. I'm not exactly sure on races yet. Again, it it comes down to the partnership that we're trying to put together and and grow with some businesses that, um, you know, might be involved in racing already and want to work with a female or, you know, businesses that are looking to um, 
promote their company and get into the NASCAR industry. So I'm still working on that and trying to put some things together. The only race I have for sure planned right now, I believe will be back in the late model, April 9th um, at Goodyear All-American Speedway. Um, so I think oh, cool. that's uh, for sure right now. Just get me some more seat time here. And then I'm hoping to have some announcements pretty soon, but nothing's set in stone just yet. Okay, well we'll get we'll get to your social media handles uh, at the end of our interview here, but I know I've got somebody biting at the bit right now, and that's our co-host Jay Huseman. I'm sure he has <laughs> yeah. the, some questions for you as well, Amber. Of course. Jay? Well, thank you, Sharon. Uh, yeah, Amber. Uh, one thing you talked about, you know, the willingness to move from Michigan to North Carolina. And I'll go back to Michigan in a minute, but that commitment. And the commitment you have, Sharon talked about being a crew chief, the mechanic, as well as a driver when you get the opportunity. But uh, one thing that caught my attention uh, was, was a tweet you had from, from back in February about doing wraps, and specifically for the <laughs> Daytona 500. I mean, you, you do it all. What, talk, about, talk about that, of, of that aspect to it. Yes, yeah, so this year I've actually been working um, at Petty GMS Motorsports, and I am doing all their wraps on the truck side and their cup side, and also their ARCA cars. So that keeps me very busy for sure, uh, not on the racing side too. So I, my favorite part of this industry is probably doing the wraps. Um, if I had to pick something, I love it all and I enjoy it all. But doing the wraps, like I enjoy um, just seeing all my workout on the racetrack from all the different race cars and knowing like. I wrap that car. So, and I also do all my own wraps and it's, uh, it's just some talent. I, I honestly don't even know how I picked it up. It's just something that I started and I loved it and just became really good at it. So, but it was really cool to wrap two cup cars that were in the Daytona 500. That's, uh, that's something I never thought I would do for sure. So that was, uh, that was a big honor and it was, cool to watch them out there knowing I wrapped them. Well, I got to say, I think that's a big selling point. Obviously talent on the track uh, is, is will get you noticed, but the commitment to the sport um, and willing to do any part, whatever it is that helps the team, which you're obviously doing. So uh, I think that's a, a big part of what draws then both sponsors and team owners, uh, you know, that are willing to commit behind you as a driver then, so keep that up. That's great. Yeah, Going back sure. to talking about Michigan, being from Michigan, we're kind of neighbors, if you will. I'm originally from Minnesota, and I know over the radio mm-hmm. you can't, but when you tell somebody where you're from in Michigan, you've got to hold up the hand with the oven mitten and point. <laughs> but uh, talk about where, where in Michigan you're from, and then some of the tracks there. Uh, what I'm looking for here, I guess, is we know in the southeast, you, know, you can't go uh, through a town without there being a racetrack little more spread out up in the Midwest to, to Northern part there, but there's still some really great tracks up there. Yeah, for sure. So where I'm from in Michigan, I guess, if, like everyone says, put your hand up. I'm more towards a thumb in Michigan, like near Detroit. Um, I'm a, probably about 30, 30 to 40 minutes from Detroit. So it's so right near the thumb. Um, and then racetracks, I raced, uh, all over up there we've got springport motor speedway owasso speedway was my home track where i actually got a championship on 
2011. And then I also raced at Dixie Motor Speedway. And I think that's it really up there. I mean, there's there's racetracks all over, but um, like you said, they're all pretty spread out from where I was. I think the closest one from me was about an hour and a half. So it's not like down here where you can go an hour in any direction and you're going to run into a racetrack. So, Well, as, as NASCAR and we here at Fan for Racing, a lot of what we've been doing in, in this uh, one segment at least is putting that focus back on short track and grassroots racing. You know, what is it, what is it you're involved with as far as then promoting these tracks that are up there or others of that may not be as known, but uh, put on great weekly racing and where some of your drivers, the unknown drivers that never get that opportunity could come from. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just like where I've raced Owasso and Springport, there's a lot of good drivers there. Um, just like Eric Jones and Brett Kozlowski, all coming from Michigan. There's there's a lot of talent up there. And um, just like myself, I never thought I'd get the opportunity like I have today coming down here. Um, being from Michigan, you just you don't realize, you know, what's down here. And I just took a chance in myself and told myself I'm going, I'm going to do this. So, you know, anybody that's up there trying and trying to get noticed, just you can't give up, and you never know one day who's going to notice you and who's going to give you that chance. So um, that's just kind of how I've always looked into things, just work hard, and uh, you never know when something's going to fall into place for you. Well, hopefully we get more opportunities to see people like you that get noticed, and I say keep up the, the commitment and work that you do throughout the entire team, uh, you know, not just we've seen that in the past. Unfortunately, with a couple drivers, they can't drive. They disappear. Uh, you obviously are staying involved in the team. You know, if it's for that week being the crew chief or, or whatever, that you're right in there with them. So very, very proud of that, and uh, I like to see that. And I'm going to turn it back over to, here, to Sharon here as we wrap up. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, Amber. I noticed a couple of the crew chiefs that you've worked with are, are Chad Johnston and uh, Sean Samuels. Uh, talk a little bit about working with them. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll ask my next question after you do that. Yeah. So the only crew chief um, I've been working with is uh, Sean Samuels and then Bruce Cook. And they uh they both have been a big help to me, especially Bruce Cook. I I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for him and also my car owner Steve McGowan. Both of them they've put so much time and effort into me to let me race and drive their cars and uh to get me better in every aspect of the sport. And if it wasn't for them, it's just I don't think any of this would have been possible. So a uh, big shout out to them, and hopefully we'll go have some more fun this year and try to get us a win in the ARCA series. See what we can um, secure for this year and get some more races going. Okay, you've also raced in uh, the Southeast Limited Late Model Series and NASCAR's Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. Um, so you're you're really climbing that ladder, Amber, and. Uh, uh, I, I'm hoping that this isn't the last time that we have you on the show because I have more questions that I want to <laughs> ask, but we're running out of time here. Uh, so let's make sure that fans 
know how they can follow you on social media? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, everyone can follow me. Uh, my Twitter is at Amber Slagle, and my Facebook is Amber Slagle Racing. And then my Instagram is also at Amber Slagle. So everyone can give me a follow and, and stay updated with um, some announcements that hopefully I'll have coming soon within the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping. And that would be uh, great for you guys to all go follow along and stay updated this year. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned you do have a race on the books uh, that's coming up. Do you want to uh, touch on that? Highlight that one more time. Yeah, uh, the plan is for me to race April 9th at Goodyear All-American Speedway. We raced there at the end of last year for the Battle of the Stars um, that they had, and it was a really good turnout. I actually love the track. It's probably up the top of the list with one of my favorites. So we finished 11th out of uh, 30 cars that started, so we had a lot of success there, especially for the car count and um, how big, like, the field was with equipment and the money that goes into these people's race cars. So it was uh, it was a good feeling to almost get that top ten, but we're going to try to go back there and run even better this year and just get some seat time uh, to get me back going before we get in the ARCA car again. Will you be out of Phoenix at all? I will be at Phoenix, actually. Um, I will be there with um, Cook Racing Technologies, and I'm going to be the crew chief for uh, Josh Berry behind the wheel. So I think we're going to have a good shot at it and have a good run. So I'm excited for for this opportunity again and go have some fun with him and the team. Okay. Well, we'll definitely be watching, Amber. And uh, thanks so much for being available and and on our show here tonight uh, as our guest. And, again, I hope we can stay in touch and have you back again throughout the season. Yes, of course. Thank you guys for having me on and uh, telling my story. I appreciate it and appreciate you guys' time. All right. Well, take care, Amber, and good luck on these upcoming events. Yep, thank you. Bye-bye now. All right, that was Amber Slagle with uh, Cook Racing Technologies. Uh, she's quite a young woman, Jay. Yeah, and she talked about telling her story. What a story it is. Like I said, I mean, real admiration for for that solid commitment to whatever it takes. I mean, uprooting and moving, you know, we've heard a lot of drivers, uh, you know, talk about that, of getting into the southeast area, obviously uh, Carolina being the hub, if you will. But the commitment to the team of doing whatever is asked her, in this case, she said, you know, she said she found she enjoys and really does and like doing the rap things. I thought that was so cool mm-hmm. that, that she was the one that wrapped the petty machines uh, for Daytona. You know who else I saw a tweet about doing a rap today? Who's that? Ryan Vargas. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yeah, he was I'll, helping out I'll in the shop that out. Uh, uh, doing a rap as well. And, I might as well say it. Uh, we mentioned uh, Christian Rose, uh, Amber's uh, teammate. He's going to be on our show on March 17th. Uh, on March 14th, we have Zachary Tinkle uh, for the Monday night show. Uh, and looking forward to talking with both of those guys again. And Ryan Vargas is coming up on March 24th. 
Yeah, that's why I say uh, I didn't. Uh, I'd been following, chatting with him. Uh, I hadn't seen that. I guess I hadn't followed today's uh, listing. Uh, he's one if you follow on social media, very active on social media. So uh, that's great. Yeah. And we got a great month of March here. When you talk about guests, we got coming. <laughs> we we definitely do. I'm getting behind schedule here, so uh, let's go ahead and get into our uh, NASCAR. Uh, weekend preview of the truck series because they will be back on track for the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway tomorrow night, Friday, March the 4th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the purse is $699,491. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's their pre-race start. And, of course, on the radio, on MRN and Series XM NASCAR Radio, they'll be racing a distance of 201 miles over 134 laps. Uh, stage 1 and 2 are 30 laps each. Uh, stage 1 ending on lap 30, stage 2 on lap 60, and the final stage ending on the last lap, lap 134. Last year's winner, John Hunter Nemechek. Well, we got a couple of notes of things to highlight here when it comes to this truck race. First off, Matt Crafton making his 500th consecutive start. And no driver has made more consecutive NASCAR Camping World Truck Series starts than Thor Sports' Matt Crafton. Uh, actually, no other Truck Series driver has made more starts than Crafton, period, this weekend. And the veteran will make that 500th career consecutive start at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. His streak began with his very first Camping World Truck Series start, which came at Auto Club Speedway uh, back on October 28th in the year 2000. In that event, he started 17th, raced his way to a ninth-place finish. Since then, Crafting has collected a total of 15 wins, 130 top fives, and 300 top tens. He's the only driver in series history to win back-to-back championships, which he did in 2013 and 14. Uh, when it comes to Las Vegas, he's made 25 starts, put up 11 top fives, and 16 top tens. Uh, Vegas is a 1.5-mile track uh, left on the schedule he has yet to win at. So one uh, little side note there, but uh, we'll look at that when we look at maybe our fantasy uh, picks later on. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, another driver uh, that has jump-started his season this year is Zane Smith. He's hoping to become the fourth driver to open the season with two consecutive victories. Uh, He's from Front Row Motorsports and the Camping World Truck Series, and he had a big win at Daytona and now heads to Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the race this weekend. Uh, uh, The first two races of the season, he would join uh, Ben Rhodes, who did that in 2021 at Daytona and Daytona's road course, Johnny Sauter did it in 2013 at Daytona and Martinsville. Mark Martin did it in 2006 at Daytona and Auto Club Speedway. Right now, Zane Smith has a two-point lead in the driver point standings over Thor Sport Racing's Ben Rhodes, last year's champion. And Smith has made four Camping World Truck Series starts at Las Vegas where he's posted three top ten finishes. So can he do it? Well, I don't know if you can smell it over the radio, but the onion is back. <laughs> Todd Bodine. Uh, for fans that have followed the Camping World Truck Series for a while, the name Todd Bodine should ring a bell, and rightfully so. 
Bodine has made quite a name for himself. He's won two NASCAR Camping World Truck Series championships. He did it in 2006 as well as in 2010 and finished uh, top five in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series standings for six consecutive seasons running from 2005 to 2010. Now, he's made a total of 727 career starts across NASCAR's three national touring series. It's been almost a decade since that veteran driver has been on the track in the Camping World Truck Series, the last time being in 2013 when he competed in eight races, uh, seven for Thor Sport Racing and one for Turner Motorsports. But we heard this announced last year. He'll be back for select races behind the wheel of the number 62 Halmar Freezing Racing Toyota, and he'll have veteran crew chief Trip Bruce. Uh, but I have teammates, uh, or be a teammate then, to Halmar Friesen's driver of the number 52 Toyota, Stuart Friesen. But I will be looking to post his third career national NASCAR National Series win at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. His first was in 2001, uh, came in the Xfinity Series, and the second was in 2005 here in the Truck Series. Now, in total, Bodine has made nine Truck Series starts at Las Vegas, uh, posting one win in 2005. He's also got six top fives and seven top tens. Uh, great to have, have him behind the track. I know he's been great as an analyst on Fox, but we miss him on the track. Yes, it's going to be a flashback out at Las Vegas this weekend with Todd Bodine behind the wheel of the Camping World Truck Series series at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, they first raced there on November 3rd, 1996, and that race was won by three-time series champion Jack Sprague driving, driving for Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, there's another flash from the past. In total, there have been 29 previous truck races at Las Vegas, producing 20 different pole winners and 24 different race winners. Mike Skinner in 2004, 5, and 6. Jack Sprague in 97, 98, and 2001. They lead the series in polls at Las Vegas with three each. And Kyle Busch leads all active drivers this weekend with two polls and 19 and 20. Uh, practice for the Camping World Truck Series is going to take place this Friday, uh, March the 4th at 4.30 p.m. Uh, that'll be followed directly by the Kinetic Gasket Poll qualifying at 5 p.m. Eastern, and both will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Bush also, uh, we should note, leads the Camping World Truck Series and wins. He has three at Las Vegas in 2018, 19, and 20. He is also the only driver in the series to win in all three of NASCAR's national series at that 1.5-mile facility. So uh, just some really good information there uh, in the truck series. When you mentioned they are back at it, only a two-week gap uh, as the Camping World Truck Series heads to Las Vegas. Uh, the seri- drivers and teams had last weekend off to recharge and regroup after an action-packed race in Daytona to open the 2022 season. But this weekend, they'll be back at it for the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200, presented by Westgate Resorts, coming at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now, fans saw that we mentioned front row motorsports. Zane Smith make his first trip to Victory Lane at Daytona International Speedway with his new team in that number 38 Ford. Going into this weekend, 
Eyes may be on last year's Victoria Voice Foundation 200 winner, though, Christian Eckes, to see if he can pull it off again. His 2021 win at Las Vegas was his first in the series. In 10 starts, he's managed one win, two, five, two top fives, and five top tens. In 2019, he became the youngest pole winner in Las Vegas Motor Speedway history at 18 years, three months, and 28 years old. Now, we mentioned Kyle Busch. He leads the Camping World Truck Series and wins at uh, Las Vegas. He's got three wins in 18, 19, and 20, as Sharon mentioned. But he isn't the only former winner entered in the race this weekend. He'll be joined by, I mentioned, Christian Eckes uh, in 2020, teammate John Hunter Nemechek in 2019, Grant Enfinger in 2018, and Ben Rhodes from 2017. All right. Uh, definitely excited to see the trucks back on the track. Uh, they always put on a good show, so uh, a lot to look forward to there. I'm going to go ahead and move on into the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They're racing the Alco Uniforms 300 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Saturday, March the 5th, starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Their purse is $1,676,079, and uh, Fox Sports 1 will carry the coverage starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, along with CRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be covering a distance of 300 miles, over 200 laps, and the first two Stages will be 45 laps apiece, stage one ending on lap 45, stage two on lap 90, and the final stage ends on the last lap for 110 laps. The defending race winner, A.J. Allmendinger. Well, here in the Xfinity Series, we have another milestone start. Uh, This one will be a 400 start for Jeremy Clements as he made his – 400th career start uh sorry jeremy clements made his 400 start last weekend this weekend it's justin algar and he'll be making his 375th xfinity career series career start uh tommy joe martins is another one he'll be making 125th nascar xfinity series career start so a couple of longtime drivers there that, for the xfinity series Yes, indeed. Uh, at Auto Club Speedway, we saw Trevor Bain uh, racing with Joe Gibbs Racing. He didn't have a very bad start. He had a very good start. But Ryan Truex now has his shot uh, and will be racing the number 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, last week, uh, Bain came home in third place. Oh, dear. <laughs> um Came in in third place. Did you get that? Nope, I'm not going to get it. Uh, he, okay. Bain is running the part-time schedule this season, so you won't see him competing in Las Vegas this weekend, but uh, he will be back at Phoenix Raceway. Instead, this weekend it's going to be Ryan Truex uh, rejoining Joe Gibbs Racing in that number 18 Toyota as part of a four-race deal that he signed with the organization for this season. Ryan Truex has made four Xfinity starts at Las Vegas, and in those four starts, he does have one top ten finish. So I know he's looking forward to being back behind the wheel for Joe Gibbs Racing at Las Vegas. Great to see these guys get that opportunity. They're uh, splitting up that ride a little bit. We'll look forward to both of them and how they do throughout the year. Now we're going to look at the uh, Rookie of the Year 
update Sunoco Rookie of the Year. Again, we're only two races in. It was a wild uh, Xfinity Series race, though, at Auto Club Speedway that resulted in three overtimes. And the 2022 Sunoco Rookie of the Year class uh, learned uh, the competition is very stiff. And the Production Alliance 300 didn't go as planned for last week's beef. It's what's for dinner 300 winner, uh, Austin Hill. The Richard Childress driver was involved in an early race incident and finished 27th, but added another 10 points to his season standings tally. Now, Hill's RCR teammate, Sheldon Creed, was unable to finish the race after completing only 156 laps, and he was involved in two separate incidences and ultimately finished 32nd. Not, be- not far behind Creed was Jesse Awuji, who finished 36th after having to go behind the wall early in the race with ignition problems. He did return after fixing the issues, but was several laps down. So as it settles out here with these two races in, Hill does lead his competition with 57 points, already secure in the playoff spot after winning the Daytona. Uh, Creed is still fighting his way up with 36 points, followed by Iwuji with 11 points. Again, only two races in. I think we'll see that uh, tighten up a little bit here throughout the uh, rest of the season. Okay. We just heard this name from uh, Amber, uh, from Amber Slyko, who will be uh, crew chiefing for Josh Berry out at Phoenix. Uh, He's racing with Junior Motorsports and is hoping to go back-to-back at Las Vegas. Last year uh, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, uh, the playoff winner, Josh Berry, is driving uh, his number eight junior motorsports Chevrolet this weekend with a chance to become just the second driver in the series history to win back-to-back races at that 1.5-mile track. He would join Chase Briscoe, who swept both of those Xfinity races in 2020. Now, Josh is the first full-time season with the NASCAR Xfinity Series, he's paired with crew chief Mike Baumgartner at Junior Motorsports. Last year, he finished 17th in the final championship standing after making just 22 series starts, and he posted two wins, six top fives, and 12 top tens. Now, Barry right now is seventh in the standings for the series. He's 27 points behind A.J. Allmendinger, who stands in the lead. Now, Barry finished 16th in the season opener at Daytona. And then last weekend at Auto Club Speedway, he finished in fourth. Barry made two series starts at Las Vegas, posting one win in 2021. He also had his two top tens. His average finish is a stop 4.0. And he's tied with A.J. Allmendinger for the series best among active drivers this weekend. I'd watch out for Josh Barry. Well, that's true, but you know, there's another name that got mentioned a couple times there, and that's your uh, regular season champ from last year, A.J. Allmendinger, as he returns to Vegas atop those standings. And it's for the second week in a row, Colleg Racing's A.J. Allmendinger holds that top spot in the Xfinity Series driver standings after opening the season with two top ten finishes. Allmendinger is the defending winner of the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Las Vegas, uh, race as he took the checkered flag after taking the lead last year with 13 laps to go. Now that win kick-started uh, Allmendinger's 2021 campaign, which led to that regular season championship and eventually earning a spot in the championship four round in the playoffs for the first time in his career. 
Now, this season, the 40-year-old from Los Gatos, California, is looking to be the first driver NASCAR Xfinity Series win to win consecutive regular season titles. Almendinger has made two series starts at Las Vegas, posting a win and two top tens. His average finish is 4.0. So there's another one you got to keep your eye on. Yes, indeed. Now, when it comes to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, it's go big or go home. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, this is the 30th running of the NASCAR Xfinity Series at that 1.5-mile track. In the previous 29 starts, they have uh, produced 17 different pole winners and 21 different race winners. Five drivers are tied in the Xfinity Series lead for poles at Las Vegas with two each, including Kyle Busch, Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth, Mark Martin, and Cole Custer. NASCAR Hall of Famer Mark Martin leads the Xfinity Series and wins at Las Vegas with four in 99, 2005, 8, and 11. Kyle Busch leads all active drivers this weekend within 2016 and 19. Six of the 29, that's 20.7% of the Xfinity Series races in Las Vegas have been won from the pole or first starting position. The most recent winner was Chase Briscoe, who did that in 2020. This weekend's practice uh, will be scheduled Friday, March um, March 4th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Qualifying will start at 7 p.m. Eastern, and both will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Okay. Oops, I uh, got to back up a week here. Cole Custer did it again at his home track as the only former Auto Club Speedway winner in the field last sat- for last Saturday's Production Alliance 300. Cole Custer used the expertise to his advantage. After the race that went into triple overtime and more than lasted more than three hours, Custer managed his second win at the Fontana, California track driving in the number 07 SS Greenlight Racing Ford. Now, Custer had an all-around great race as he was consistently battling for the lead with Noah Gregson and Justin Algar. Ultimately, Custer led the final 21 laps and finished the race with a total of 80 laps led. His last trip to Auto Club uh, Speedway's Victory Lane came back in 2019, where he managed to stay on the top uh, the last 19 laps. And that season, he went on to post a career-high seven wins, 17 top fives, and 24 top tens. Now, Custer's win in the Production Alliance 300 and marks the first in the Xfinity Series for SS Greenlight Racing. The Bobby Dodder-owned team does have a technical alliance with Custer's NASCAR Cup Series team, Stuart Haas Racing. And the decorated driver uh, now complete, competes full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series, but will make more appearances this season in the Xfinity Series. He finished runner-up in the NASCAR Xfinity Series championships in back-to-back seasons, uh, 2018 and 19, and finished his NASCAR Xfinity Series rookie season and fifth, which was back in 2017. Now this weekend, and I believe we talked about, you talked to uh, Joe Graff on Monday. He'll be back in the SS Greenlight uh, number 07 Ford this weekend at Las Vegas. Yes, we did talk to Joe Graff on Monday, and he'll be back at the end of this month as well. 
as uh, we continue to highlight some of our upcoming guests here at Pamper Racing Radio. All right, the NASCAR Cup Series is up next. I'm going to go ahead and get into this because there's always so much more to cover in this series. The Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube uh, will be racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend on Sunday, March the 6th, starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse in this Cup Series, $8,483. I'm sorry. $8,483,997. The pre-race coverage will start at 3 p.m. on Fox, as well as PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 400 miles over 267 laps. Uh, The first two stages, uh, well, first stage one ends on lap 80. Stage two ends on lap 165, meaning that's 85 laps, and the final stage ends on the last lap, 267. Last year's race winner was last weekend's winner, Kyle Larson. Will he make it back-to-back? Well, speaking of backs, we got to go to uh, a Hall of Famer and former Raider, uh, Marcus Allen, who's named the Grand Marshal at Las Vegas. He's, uh, again, mentioned a Hall of Famer and Former Raider serves as Grand Marshal for the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube this Sunday, March 6th at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. As part of Allen's duties, he will bring the roar of the NASCAR Cup Series engines to life with those most famous words in motorsports. He is one of football's greatest running backs. Allen played 16 seasons with the now Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. During that time, he gained 12,243 yards rushing, 5,412 yards receiving, and scored 145 touchdowns. To this day, uh, Marcus Allen is the only NFL player to win a Heisman Trophy, an NFL MVP, and Super Bowl championship and Super Bowl MVP. Now, Allen joins a list of luminaries uh, that will deliver the command at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. That'll include Mark Wahlberg, Tim Allen, Cole Hauser, Derek Carr, Kim Kardashian, Carol Shelby, and Rascal Flatts, and Dana White. Wow, that's quite a list there. Uh, Another person making her very first appearance at Las Vegas Motor Speedway is Tiara Kennedy. She will be performing the national anthem prior to the Penzel Twin Pens Oil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube on Sunday, March the 6th. Uh, Kennedy, the Valerie Music Company recording artist, is known for her standout tracks, Found It in You and Shut It Down, was inducted into the CMT's Next Women of Country Class of 2020, as well as the Listen Up Class of 2022. Named as an artist to watch by Teen Vogue, Nashville Lifestyles, Pandora Country, Spotify's Hot Country, Country Now, Music Row, and Sounds Like Nashville, Kennedy is the host of Apple Music Country's The Tierra Show. So uh, I, I think that's going to be a pretty good national anthem. Well, you said go big or go home when it comes to Las Vegas. Uh, certainly got some uh, highlights there. And another one we got is a Grammy-nominated country trio Midland uh, to headline the Pennzoil 400 pre-race. 
the country music group uh, Midland will headline the pre-race festivities for the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. They're known for such hits as Drinking Problem and Burnout. And they'll be making their first appearance as well at Las Vegas Motor Speedway prior to the annual NASCAR Cup Series race. The band is expected to take the stage at the Speedway at approximately 11 a.m. That'd be local time for uh, Las Vegas. Okay. We've got some more matchups here uh, for the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I think we'll start from the bottom up and uh, go every other one, Jay. I'm going to start with uh, the number three of Austin Dillon versus the number 45 of Kurt Busch. The Las Vegas native and local favorite, uh, Kurt Busch, squares off in the final matchup. Well, not the final, but the ma- one of the matchups on this week's slate against last week's surprise runner-up at Fontana. That's Austin Dillon. Dillon and Bush have very similar recent numbers at the intermediate tracks. Bush has a slightly higher average finish on intermediate tracks since 2019. His is at 13.5 to Dillon's 13.66. And he also has a recent win at Las Vegas in the fall of 2020. However, uh, despite uh, Kurt Bush's breakthrough win at the track in 2020, Dillon has posted better numbers at Las Vegas. Uh, since 2019, his average finish is at 15.5 versus Bush's at 16.7. Well, that'll definitely be a good uh, battle on the track. The next one uh, got a little closer than side-by-side racing. We got the number eight, Tyler <laughs> Reddick, versus the number 24, William Byron. Now, Reddick and Byron had two of the best cars in the field at Fontana on Sunday before a late race incident uh, between the two drivers. Uh, it started with a cut tire on Reddick's car, and then uh, Byron got into him, but it ended each of their, their days. Now, Reddick had less, led a race-high 90 laps in the event and appeared to have the dominant car before the incident. Now, Reddick and Byron have notably battled fiercely for wins late numerous races over the past year prior to Sunday, The two drivers battled hard at playoff races in Charlotte and Texas last season and have seemingly run near each other each week since. Both drivers are on the cusp of the breakout. Reddick is still seeking his first cup win, while Byron, now a two-time cup winner, is currently looking to convert his uh, weekly racing winning speed into more frequent wins. Okay. This is a good one as well. The number 18 of Kyle Busch versus the number 22 of Joey Logano. Now, Bush and Logano infamously tangled late in the race in 2017's spring race at Las Vegas, an incident that ultimately drove both drivers to fisticuffs after the event. <laughs> so uh, we hope that doesn't happen again. Bush also is a native of Las Vegas, Nevada, and a hometown crowd favorite. Historically, he's had bad luck at his home track outside of a lone Vegas victory that happened in 2009. But despite running well nearly every time the series visits Las Vegas, uh, he, he struggles there. Bush has been strong at the track, however, in recent races, had a fifth-highest finish average finish at 8.17 at Las Vegas since February of 2019. Now in Long 
Logano's case, Vegas is one of his strongest racetracks. He owns the highest driver rating at the track since February 2019 among all drivers. That rating is 109.2. He's also collected two wins in that span in 2019 and 20. Both of those wins were in the spring event. Was, it, was that a case where uh, Kyle Busch's uh, fist headbutted his uh, – or what was it? Yeah. How, how does that go? He just <laughs> he started headbutting hand. my fist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the next matchup, believe it or not, is between teammates. The number nine of Chase Elliott versus the number five of Kyle Larson. And we got Hopefully they have a Hendrick nice conversation motor- at the shop. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I never heard if they had the milk and cookies deal or not, but uh, hopefully they did settle it. We got two young Hendrick Motorsports superstars and make up an ultra compelling lead feature matchup this week, coming on the heels of the, the dust up they had this past Sunday at Fontana. Now, Elliot and Larson each had race winning speed at various points throughout the race on Sunday, with Larson ultimately prevailing. Uh, after throwing an errant block for the win on Elliott that sent Elliott into the wall, effectively ending his day. Now, both drivers showed uh, significant strength at Las Vegas in recent races at the track. Larson won the spring race at Las Vegas in March of 2021, while Elliott finished second in the fall event of 2021 at the track after a late battle for the win with Denny Hamlin. So you can expect to see them uh, up close to each other again. We'll see how it settles out. Yes, indeed. That's going to be a big one to watch, and I know a lot of fans are wondering how that conversation went on Monday morning over at Hendrick Motorsports. Okay, next up we have 2311 Racing Bubba Wallace off to his best season start of his Cup Series career. From Mobile, Alabama, Bubba Wallace is off to uh, a great start with 23XI Racing. He rallied to his second career runner-up finish at the Daytona 500 to start off the season and then followed it up with a 19th place finish after a very wild Auto Club Speedway uh, race to find himself ninth in the NASCAR Cup Series standings heading into Las Vegas this weekend. The 28-year-old Wallace is a mere 20 points back from the series standings lead, and now he's looking to roll the dice at Las Vegas to keep his good luck this season alive. Wallace has made eight starts at the track in the Cup Series. He has one top 10 finish in those 10 starts. Or, I'm sorry, eight starts. Somebody else is off to a well, hot ta- start. Yeah, talk about the hot start to the 2022 season. Uh, we got action-packed racing. It was the goal for the NASCAR Cup Series next-gen car. And through the first two races of the 2022 season, it has passed more than just the eye test. Uh, what's more, even more encouraging is the statistics that are backing up the great on-track competition that fans at, have come to expect at a NASCAR event. Look at the 2022 Daytona 500. It produced 104 green flag flag passes for the lead, becoming the fifth Daytona 500 to eclipse the 100 GFPL mark uh, since the inception of the loop data statistics in 2007. That joins the race in 2014. That was 177. 2010, we had 170. 
2017 was 137 and 2019, 110. Now, the event was also won by the Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate for the first time in the race's history. Now, Auto Club Speedway had some great action on the track uh, this season as well. The Wise Power 300 produced the third most lead changes at 32 in the NASCAR Cup Series uh, at Auto Club Speedway all time. That's behind 2014 when there was 35 and 2008 when there were 33. The race also tied the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series race for the six most green flag passes for the lead at Auto Club Speedway with 33. So I think that uh, this is really working when it talks about leveling the playing field. Yes, indeed. Uh, But the records are really meant to be broken, and Team Penske's Cindric becomes the first rookie to hold the Cup Series points lead for more than one race. Austin Sindrick is well on his way to etching his name into those record books. With his first out-of-the-box win in the season opening Daytona 500, and then his 12th-place finish at Auto Club Speedway, the Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate becomes the first rookie in series history to hold that point-standing lead for more than one race. Uh, of course, Daytona and Auto Club are those two races. Prior to the season, seven-time series champion Jimmy Johnson was the only rookie to hold the Cup Series driver point standing uh, lead during their rookie season, but did so following just Kansas Speedway, the Kansas Speedway race in 2002. Cindric right now holds an eight-point lead over second-place driver Joey Logano in those driver standings. He also leads the Rookie of the Year standings over second-place driver Todd Gilliland, who is down 55 points from the lead. Third-place driver is Harrison Burton, down 72 points. Cindric now turns his attention to Las Vegas, where he's making his Cup Series track debut this weekend. He's made eight Xfinity Series starts at Las Vegas, and in the Xfinity Series, he's put up three top fives and five top tens. So watch out for Cindric. He's hot, and he might be rolling some hot dice out there at Las Vegas. Well, and unfortunately there with three rookies, we see uh, the the entire spectrum. Cindric off to a great start. Gillen's kind of been in the middle, and Harrison Burton had a rough couple of races. So hopefully he gets that straight out with the 21 Wood Brothers. Now, speaking of, uh, yeah, right? Looking to (laughs) keep a streak alive at Vegas is the champ, Kyle Larson. Uh, He is back to his winning ways, though. It didn't take long for the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series champion and Hendrick Motorsports driver Kyle Larson to get back to victory lane since he won the championship race at Phoenix Raceway last November. It's two races to be exact. Uh, The 29-year-old from Elk Grove, California, capitalized late at the Auto Club Speedway last Sunday, picked up his first win of the 2022 season, his second at the two-mile track, and the 17th of his series career. Now the series defending champ is headed to Las Vegas Speedway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, for the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube for this Sunday, March 6th race. Larson's win has him joining Daytona 500 victor Austin Sindrick as the first two drivers to lock themselves into the playoffs this season, which is a good step in his endeavor to become the first driver to win back-to-back titles since 
our man Jimmy Johnson, who won back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, five straight from (laughs) 2006 to 2010. Now, it was not lost on Larson what a quick start like this means for him. And defending winner of this weekend's race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway uh, was already thinking about the future during his post-race front stretch interview at Auto Club Speedway, uh, hoping to get on a little bit of a streak is what he was quoted as saying. And his win streaks are a big part of Larson's 10-win season last year that led to his first series title. He became the fourth different driver in NASCAR Cup Series history to win three or more consecutive races multiple times in a single season, joining the NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Earnhardt, who did it in 87, Richard Petty did it in 1967 and 71, and David Pearson all the way back in 1968. Looking at Las Vegas, Larson has made 11 starts, posting one win, which came last year, four top fives and eight top tens. He's also led 224 laps at the 1.5-mile track. So another very solid pick if you're looking at fantasy picks. Yes, sir, indeed. And if you're mentioning fantasy picks, uh, let's go ahead and give a quick update on what's happening points-wise with our fantasy group. All right. I can do that real quick. Uh, Oops. Not under that tab. I can't. Give me one. There they are. All right, uh, Truck Series mentioned uh, they only got one race in, so with the Daytona race, Andy leads there at nine points, Sharon seven, Sam six, Tommy five, Mike four, Owen three, James two, myself one, and Brian at zero. The Xfinity Series there, we got two races in, got a tight battle. Brian leads it at 13 points, but Andy and James are at 12. I'm at 11 Mike and Sam at eight, Owen at five, Tommy at three, Sharon at two. On the cup (laughs) side, a few more races there as we had the clash and the uh, duels. So I got a total of 31 points. Brian has got 25, James 22, Sharon 21, Owen and Sam at 20 each. I'm sorry, Owen, Owen, Sam, and Tommy all at 20. Then Mike at 14 and Andy at 11. And for overall, that gives me uh, 43 points. Brian's at 38, James 36, Sam 34, Andy 32, Sharon 30, Owen and Tommy 28, and Mike 26. A bunch of two-point gaps there on the way down. Wow. I can't believe we've got it all in. <laughs> First ninety minutes, Jay. We covered a lot of ground here tonight. Yeah, uh, great information, and again, super excited about the weekend at Las Vegas. I had a great guest on tonight with uh, with Amber Slagle, uh, and so looking forward to. I know you've run down the list of what we got coming up here uh, Mondays and Thursdays for the month of March. So, uh, big things here at Fan for Racing. Yes, indeed. Uh, Definitely looking forward to uh, the rest of our season. It's been exciting so far, and I know it's going to continue to be exciting uh, throughout this 2022 season. Uh, Joining us shortly will be our uh, uh, part of our Fan for Racing crew here, uh, Andy Lasky, uh, should be joining us here in a couple minutes or a minute or so. 
to get us started with our Hot Topic Sound Off. There's a lot to talk about there, too, Jay. I was going to say, you talk about exciting and already, uh, yeah, a lot of different stories to talk about. Uh, some kind of continuation ones as we talk about the, the next-gen car. Uh, still some hiccups uh, that, would, that are being dealt with. But then you also got some new uh, different stories going on as well. So a lot to, lot to talk about and uh, discuss different viewpoints on as we, as we get with our whole crew here. Yes, indeed. Um, well, we're waiting for Andy. He's got another uh, little bit of time here, another 30 seconds or so, uh, to join the show. I want to um, kind of get into our, the remainder of our list. We've mentioned uh, that we've got James Bickford on Monday. Uh, he's going to be on at 9 o'clock uh, as our guest. Uh, Sal will be announcing his guest shortly. JoJo Wilkinson on March the 10th. That's Thursday night at 9 o'clock. Zachary Tinkle with uh, Wayne Peterson re- racing in the number zero will be joining us March 14th at uh, 9 o'clock. That's our Monday night show. Again, Sal will be announcing his guest uh, shortly. Uh, we have Christian Rose on March 19th. Uh, coming in to uh, uh, talk with us at 9 o'clock. And then on Monday, uh, we don't have those guests lined up yet. Uh, That's for the 21st of March, but we will be announcing that as soon as we have them uh, firmed up. On March 24th, Thursday, 9 o'clock, Ryan Vargas is on the schedule. And on March 28th, Monday at 9 o'clock, we have Joe Graff Jr. on the schedule. So uh, a big lineup of our guests for our March schedule. Well, and I know uh, I know you mentioned there uh, James Bickford, uh, one of our members here at Fan for Racing. Uh, we had to reschedule. I think uh, that was when we did the podcast prior to Daytona that he uh, wasn't able to make it. So it was great to see him get rescheduled. Absolutely. Uh, Definitely looking forward to it. Andy is here. So uh, a big open arms for Andy. Welcome to the show, Andy. (laughs) Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, We've missed you the last few weeks. So uh, looking forward to our hot topics. I'm going to let you kick it off. Yeah, good to be back. Obviously, uh, missed a couple there due to work, but uh, happy to be on tonight, certainly. And um, I think one of the big the big themes we've seen for the first two weeks of the season, specifically with the cup car, um, is, is when you get a flat tire, um, you know, we've seen it take several laps for these cars to, to get back to pit road, either, you know, the rollback or, or a tow truck or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, and I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts are on that because it's a, it's a little bit concerning at the length of time that it takes to get these cars back going again in the event of, of a spin and subsequent flat tires. And, you know, certainly a, a bit of a cause for concern, I think, as we are in the infant stages of this new cup car. Okay, yeah, we did talk a little bit about that, but uh, NASCAR has now said that they're going to continue to allow drivers to be towed to pit road. So, Jay, you're going to be first up here uh, to have your commentary on that. Well, hopefully it's one of those, uh, I guess, an unforeseen result of the the changes to the tire and the car, the the lowness of the car. 
I'm not sure that's the best option. I understand maybe right now they've only had a week, <coughs> excuse me, to really address it. But I think some more things need to be done. I know they got a, a new way with the tow trick of, of hooking them up so that they don't damage the car, are fairly expeditious with it, and they're letting the driver ride back in the car so that when they get to pit road, the crew does their work or whatever, and they can go. Um, you know, it used to be if you were getting hooked up, you had to get out of the car. So I'm okay with that, but I think they still need to look at some better improvements. Uh, you know, truthfully, my mind is we need to find a way to get back to a, an inner liner. I mean, because that solved all of those problems by not having the completely flat or on the rim, and especially with these lower-sitting cars, I don't even know if the inner liner w would fix that uh, because of how low they say the car is now and the new underbody that they have. Um, so I do hope, though, that NASCAR does look at uh, some way of improving even more so than just having, allowing the driver to ride and the way they're hooking up the front end with the instead of a, a hook, kind of a claw, if you will, um, like you see at amusement parks. But... I think some work still needs to be done on it because it's a big problem. I was listening to uh, Sirius XM with Dave Moody, and, yeah, having a flat tire should hinder you and make you have to work your way back, but it shouldn't put you multiple laps down like that for just a flat tire, you know, that it shouldn't cost you your race. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. And, and what NASCAR is doing this weekend is not, a long-term solution, and I think they know that. Uh, they use that policy at Auto Club Speedway. Uh, they don't view it. Uh, it's not viewed by the competitors as a permanent solution uh, because of all those laps that they lose when they're being towed to pit road. Uh, but, yeah, the inner liner uh, was a big deal because uh, in the old car, you could drive back on that inner liner and not lose those laps and not have to wait for a tow truck to come and pick you up. So I don't think it is the ideal solution. I think NASCAR knows it. The drivers know it. Uh, they just haven't come up with what the solution is. If there is a way to put an inner liner inside that tire, um, it, it kind of surprises me a little bit that they didn't think about that ahead of time, that that might be an issue. Part of the problem, too, is that, uh, the tow trucks have a hard time towing these new cars uh, back to pit road, uh, back to pit road. They have to kind of hook on to each side of the car in order to pull it, causing any damage to the car. So, you know, that that's another reason why it's not a long-term solution. It's okay if you're doing that to a car that's already wrecked and you're bringing it in to 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 get back onto the truck, but it's a whole different thing when these cars are still competitive and wanting to get back there on the track uh, in order to, to get themselves in the best uh, possible position for the end of the race. So, yeah, I, I don't know what more we can add to that other than the fact that we know it's not the best solution, uh, but it's all we've got for right now. Andy, do you have any more insight on this? Yeah, so there's there's two issues which which I think lend itself to the, the problem is for one thing the new 18 inch wheels and tire doesn't allow enough room for an inner liner to be installed, which is why they don't have them. And secondly, um, when the when you do get a flat tire, the cars sit low enough to where 
the wheel just spins and, you know, on the flat tire. So therefore there's no ability for the car to move. It used to be, you could get a flat, but keep going with the old car. Mm -hmm. But now it's almost as if you're, you're completely dead in the water. And as a result, you know, you're, you're going to go multiple laps down and at a place like auto club speedway, I think, Christopher Bell went something like six laps down. Imagine if that happens at Bristol, you you could lose 20 laps just because of a flat tire, which is absurd. So, um, and, and then think about the delays that it cost, you know, under caution just to get a car with a flat tire moved. So I, I chalk it up to growing pains. I think we all knew that there would be a lot of things to learn. And certainly I think with every given race and every given practice and qualifying session nascar is learning and i'm sure that there will be a solution developed from this um to possibly make it better i mean but you know but but it's really just i i think i think growing pains at this point you know and and certainly um from what i've seen you you don't want to get a flat tire you don't want to have a problem because if you do it can ruin your race whereas before you know, a flat tire meant a trip to pit road. You might fall a lap down. You might not even lose a lap, and you could rebound from that and possibly salvage your race. But now from what I'm seeing, you know, a spin and, and, and getting flat tires could result in a complete um, a complete loss of, of a good day, and that's unfortunate. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, in, in the following weeks what, you know, what happens as far as on-track incidents or problems and, and who's affected by this because from what I'm seeing, any, any spin and any, any flat tire is going to just make the car dead in the water until it can be pulled back to pit road, which, which is a process because teams of course don't want the car damaged. And, you know, it's a process to get the car back to pit road in one piece without causing damage. So uh, growing pains is all it is. I, I'm sure NASCAR is, is looking at it and gathering information and data to try to, possibly come up with a solution i don't know what that would be um you know short of trying to get the car up off the ground you know but it's um it's kind of unfortunate but you know i like i said i i look at it as this is a new car a new process a new a new type of tire and wheel and um there's a lot to be learned and you know i'm sure things will get more streamlined and improve as the season goes on but we're only on weekend number i guess three now with vegas and um you know i'm i'm hoping that things will improve but certainly you know one of the many issues i guess you could say or gremlins with with a brand new car okay jay your follow-up thoughts well, not not only have I been saying how weird this is this year has been that I agree with Mike. Right now, I feel like I'm going to sound like him, and I don't know if these are his thoughts or not, but I feel like I sound like him. How did NASCAR not see this coming? Uh, you know, when you talk about taking away the inner t- inner tire or the inner uh, inner tube. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how this happened where where it wasn't anticipated, um, as well as the the lower of the car. And I know Andy said that, and I think I heard this somewhere else, that with this tire that you really can't have the inner liner, I I think there can be a way to make that happen um, to some effect. Now, with that, though, and I think, Sharon, you have mentioned this a couple of times, teams maybe need to look at what they're doing. You're stealing my thunder. uh, Okay. Well, that's, yeah. That's okay. You know, that, that goes back. 
back to these teams, you know, is there something they can do differently, um, whether it be their driving style or um, the setup they're putting on the car? And, and when you look at it, you know, uh, Owen and Mike both used to like to use numbers. Of of the 40 teams or 36, however how many were in, in each of the races, yeah, there were four or five that maybe had a problem, but there were 30-some then that didn't. So, you know, it can be done. Um, you know, first off, don't spin out and get a flat tire. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I think NASCAR right now is saying, hey, this is the best we can do right now. I'm sure that they do want to, as you said, come up with something better and more efficient, uh, no matter what it be, that they just need a little bit more time with that. Yeah, I think that's exactly my thoughts too, Jay. And uh, I think Andy's right too, that, uh, uh, you know, it's something that all of the drivers are dealing with. Some are dealing with it probably better than others. But I think one of the problems that we've seen in more recent years uh, for quite a while now is that Goodyear every week gives a range of what the PSI should be on the tires. And drivers and crew chiefs being who they are, want to kind of push that to the limit and go over that PSI limit that's given to them by Goodyear. I think that's one way that they can kind of manage this as a short-term solution. And, and obviously, a lot of the drivers are staying within those specifications, but some of these teams are trying to get the risk versus the reward. Uh, but it's a big, big risk right now. And I think they've got to play inside the rules in this case if they want to avoid having the issues of having the car towed back in and losing laps on the track. So there are things that can be done to avoid those. It's not foolproof. I'm not here to suggest that you can absolutely avoid getting a a flat tire because there are so many unknowns. It could be loose debris on the track. It could be any number of things. But there are things they can do to minimize their risk of getting that flat tire. And for the short term, I think NASCAR is putting that ownership on those teams to to play within that PSI limit. So, again, I I don't see that as as the solution, and I know NASCAR is probably looking at what it might be, but um, I do think that they do have some of this within their control. So, Andy, you get the last word on this. Yeah, I would agree, Sharon. I think, you know, some of it certainly is within team control and some of it not so much. I think we've seen, you know, specifically some some accidents and some wrecks that have resulted in flat tires where some of these guys have run into problems. But um, I would agree, you know, certainly, you know, some of these could be self-induced and in doing so, you know, maybe teams will work to follow those recommendations more so and, and, you know, it'll keep themselves out of trouble. But, um, you know, it, it just it really boggled my mind at, at how penalizing a flat tire is, you know, just in terms of falling several laps down. It can totally ruin your race, and, and uh, that, to me, was the, the eye-opening part of it. Um, and, and that will probably be a storyline as the season develops, 
you know, is, is it, it could take drivers out of contention from winning races completely. So, um, you know, whereas before, you know, it really wasn't that effective. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if there's a solution, um, you know, that can be developed to help alleviate falling several laps down and, and getting themselves back to pit road. But, um, certainly an interesting start of the year for sure. Yeah, it is. And, uh, it is going to be interesting to see what the final solution ends up being. Um, but, you know, we wanted a lot of this to be back in the drivers and the team's hands. And this is certainly one of those things, uh, that, uh, is in their hands. Uh, Hopefully not long-term, but we'll see what happens. Okay, Jay, you're up for the next hot topic. Well, let's let's go back to normal, and I'm going to call Mike out. The other night uh, I picked a topic he wanted to talk about, and he was supposed to return the favor, and we, did, we ran out of time. So I'm going I'm to throw Mike <laughs> under the bus, but uh, just to feel normal for a little bit. No, uh, we didn't get a chance. We, we did run out of time. We had some great hot topics, so we wanted to talk about all of them. But Ryan Newman going to be part of the SRX. And I know they've had a couple more announcements. Uh, Haley Deegan for a few races, Matt Kenseth. But uh, Ryan Newman getting that ride, uh, I wanted to talk about that. Okay. Andy, your thoughts? I mean, this is um, a really cool addition, I think, to SRX and, and someone that can go out there and, and be competitive. He's not very far removed from, you know, a full-time NASCAR career. He's still competitive. He's still, you know, in a position where he can go out there and, and run really, really well. I think this is somebody that can go out there and, and contend for wins each week. So it's cool to have a, a big name like that, a part of SRX. I'm excited personally because – I'm going to the Stafford SRX race in July. I'm really excited about that. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be awesome to see him out there racing. You know, I think a lot of people were wondering what his 2022 plans would be. Obviously, now we know that that includes the six SRX races. And so, um, you know, good to see Ryan's not completely done driving. Obviously, had a good NASCAR career, and it's good to see him uh, get an opportunity like this. So I'm excited to see what he'll do. I think given his recency of experience, he's going to be extremely competitive and, and probably one of the ones to beat each week. Without a doubt. Uh, I'm really happy to see Ryan Newman on that list of drivers. Uh, some other drivers that have been announced, Tony Stewart's going to be back to defend his uh, championship in the SRX series. So I think that's pretty exciting as well. And um, uh, I, I am happy to see drivers like Ryan Newman in particular get that opportunity to race in the SRX. Uh, and they continue uh, to just bring in uh, a, a whole lot of different drivers uh, into that uh, series. Um, I'm trying to see here if I see any other announcements. Uh, uh, Matt Kinsett another uh, racer that's going to be in the SRX this year. Uh, so that's kind of cool to hear as well. Uh, Tony Stewart, we mentioned him. Um, okay. I, I can't see any others right off the hand here. But uh, very excited for Matt Kenseth to be racing again and to see uh, Ryan Newman on that list. And I think they will give us a pretty good show 
And I'm wondering if either one of them will be able to uh, challenge Tony Stewart for the championship this season. Or do you think there's another driver that will challenge him? Jay? Well, Sarah, just to jump in, just to jump in real quick, um, I, Ernie Francis Jr. is full-time. Paul Tracy yes. is back full-time. We remember what he did for the series last year. And I think Haley Deegan is going to run a couple, and uh, Marco Andretti as well, I think, returns. Um I think there's another IndyCar guy in there, too. I'd have to look at the list, but it's a pretty robust Is Tony Kanaan back? That I didn't see. I'm not sure. I'd have to look. Okay, I've got Greg Biffle, Paul Tracy, Ryan hunter Ray, Ryan Newman, Tony Stewart, Michael Waltrip, Bobby Labani, and Marco Andretti. Uh, what I see on this list from Casey Campbell. And you guys mentioned Haley Deegan's there. Yeah, okay, some, of, so some of them I know are part. I just say I know some of them are, are part time or get two or three starts depending on different tracks. Um, the one thing I look like and look at here with Ryan Newman is you know we saw it last year. Not to say it was a, a show, but it is a fun series. Six races, battle it out. We saw the mm-hmm. the battle with uh, Paul Tracy and everybody else um ryan newman is one of those i mean nascar drivers drivers talked about it when it came to passing ryan newman it was darn near impossible he would not give you a quarter of an inch to try and get by him and to put him in a series like that where that's what it's about is just that hard nose wheel-to-wheel racing i think is a great addition I do hope that if the opportunity comes about, he maybe can get back to either the cup level or NASCAR Xfinities or trucks. Uh, but to see him be a part of that, I think, is a huge thing for the series. And he might play that role like Paul Tracy did last year of, you know, him against the rest of the field, not just one driver, but him against the rest of the field. <laughs> okay. Andy, your follow-up thoughts. So, Jay, who wins that battle, Ryan Newman or Paul Tracy? Oh, yeah, there there you go, head-to-head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that would it's going to be fun. I think it's, a, it's another really good driver lineup. Like you said, Sharon, it's an extremely fun series for six races in the summertime. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I thought it was a lot of fun, very refreshing last year. I hope that um, – Alan Bestwick and that broadcast team, they'll come back because they did a fantastic job and uh, certainly looking forward to it. It is a return to, to grassroots style racing, and I think that um, I think we're all in for a treat like we were last year. So definitely looking forward to it. And, and like what's already been said, I think Ryan Newman automatically um, puts himself as a top contender going into this season. Okay. Uh, and just to follow up on what we said earlier, Deegan and Matt Kenseth are both going to be racing part-time this year. He, Deegan is scheduled for two races. I'm not sure about uh, Matt, but uh, Tony Stewart is racing the full series. So uh, just a little follow-up there. Yeah, this this is going to be uh, definitely uh, another great season uh, for this SRX series last year being the first season, this being the second season, I think there's going to be even more people tuning in to find out what happens in the SRX series uh, with all of these big names uh, kind of taking part in it. Don't forget, Ryan Newman also has a lot of experience in the modifieds. He loves to watch 
I'm sorry, he loves to race in the modified. So I think that experience is going to help him in SRX as well. Um, and uh, I can't wait to, to see it uh, continue. I wanted to see, let's see, are these any, Tony Kanan, uh, Helio, oh, oh, Helio Castroneves is also going to be one of the drivers to be racing in that Superstars Racing Series. So some some really cool names on the list. Uh, I, I'm, I did not get to watch as many of the races as I wanted to last year. I'm really hoping I get to see all of them this year. Oh, Joseph Newgarden's on that list, too. Jay, you know, the one, the one, yeah, the one unique thing there when you talk about that is some of these drivers are doing part-time. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, last year it was they had 10 of the 12 drivers were full-time battling for the championship, and then you brought in special drivers like Matt Kenseth, Haley Deegan, her two starts are going to go as the, the special driver. And then they also have another open slot for what they call the local driver, whatever track they're at, the track champion or regular at that track or from that area is the one they add in. Uh, just a unique series. Uh, but when it comes down to it, having these drivers, and I mentioned it before when we talk about it, of having a driver, Bobby Labonte, Michael Waltrip, Tony Stewart, these names, if you're an IndyCar fan, Paul Tracy, Helio Castroneves, uh, Joseph Newgarden, to be able to see them in any uh, format, um, and, you know, most of them went out there with that attitude of, hey, we're here to have fun. I found it really funny that on Twitter, a lot of fans were, were starting to get amped up. I'll say it, that Tony Stewart hadn't been announced and whether or not he was going to run, you had to know he was still going to run and come back and especially <laughs> being that the, tried to defend the championship. Um, I mean, because that's part of there again, that, that attitude of racer's attitude of, you know, hey, let's go out and have some fun, whether it be go-karts or whatever. You know, I think think of the uh, Days of Thunder uh, rental car battle, you know. I mean, just go out there and have at it, and, and you know, for, for 20 laps and see who comes out on top. And, and Tony Stewart yeah. obviously fits that mold as well. Absolutely. One quick little follow-up here is the schedule – uh, is six races, as, as was mentioned earlier, uh, running from June 18th through July 23rd. Uh, they'll be racing a Five Flags Speedway and South Boston Speedway in June. In July, uh, four tracks, Stafford Motor Speedway, Nashville Fairgrounds, I-55 Raceway in Peasley, Missouri, and Sharon Speedway in Hartford, Ohio. So, uh Again, just six races, but loads of fun and loads of racing action. Okay, Andy, you get to bring up the next hot topic. Yeah, this one um, kind of interesting. Uh, it involves the advocation for teams possibly receiving a bigger piece of the TV money moving forward. Um, to help offset sponsorship, which has largely in part funded racing teams in NASCAR up until this point. Um, kind of an interesting concept, which would follow other major league sports. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, I know we kind of touched on this already the other night. Um, I guess it's Michael Jordan and somebody with his team has come in and said that, that they need to look at that as far as being a media 
based income for the entire sport versus individual uh, sponsorship deals. The only problem with that is, I talked about this, I know with the NFL that, that they are a franchise. These NASCAR teams are not a franchise. We haven't gone down that road. I know it's been talked about, but they are independent contract. I mean, that you don't have to be. I know we kind of are on the verge of that with the 36. Um, I lost what? What is it? Charter. Thank you. Charter. There we go. That's, yeah, there you go. It's, that's on the line and probably as far as I think NASCAR is going to want to go with it, and those charters can be changed. You don't see... Uh, a lot of changing of major pro sports teams. Yeah, they may move cities, and there again, there's a lot of contracts. But uh, if I get too far along here, Sharon, I know you may have to jump in. Um, I think it's a little bit different to compare to those other sports. I know Mike said wanted to compare the numbers to a NBA, say an NBA franchise versus a motorsports team. I don't think you can compare because the stadium there can be which the team's a part of can be used for other venues. Whereas a race team, you know, their investment is in the shop and the cars, and then that's stable barring changing cars. Um, but they don't have any other avenue of revenue other than the sponsor and winning the races. So I, I think it's tough to compare that. I'm not opposed to them looking into it and seeing what can be done. And as I mentioned the other night, I think a huge factor in hit was the overall sponsorship for the cup series. Because I think that's where that would maybe come into play as well, is if they can go back to getting one or more Cup Series sponsors, uh, title sponsors, if you will. Okay, I am going to have to jump in here. We are coming up to the 10.30 time frame. And uh, for those people that might be tuning in for the first time, we don't want you to be caught off guard with us going off air and still talk. Though we go off air at 10.30, we do continue our conversation well past that time. And uh, that part of our conversation is recorded and available as part of our bonus overtime material on the podcast. Now, I'll come out on Twitter and let you know when the podcast is available and then all you have to do is go to the player uh, and fast forward to the two-hour mark. Now, tonight the player is over at Blog Talk Radio uh, because we're having some uh, issues over at FanforRacing.com uh, for the next uh, few days. I won't be able to post anything, but as soon as I can, I will post that uh, player over on our website. And again, just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. Okay. Um, Jay, did you have anything more you wanted to add there? No, I was good for this first round here. Uh, you can go to Andy or yourself. Okay. I'll go ahead and uh, give my thoughts. I think that there are some differences. I, I applaud them for trying to think out of the box and come up with some solutions to the sponsorship things that are happening. But I think it's going to have to end up still being a combination there of perhaps um, – Mike uh, made a comment. He wondered what the cost comparison is for operating a NASCAR team versus a, uh, say, a basketball team uh, in in other stick and ball sports. Uh, we know racing isn't cheap, uh, but we also know that the roster of players who are making millions of dollars a year, that's not cheap either. So, um, you know, with inflation. 
I can see where the cost of doing business is probably going to increase. We already know that there's supply issues. Um, uh, so I, I understand where they're coming from, uh, but I don't think it can be maybe exactly the same model. It was suggested uh, Michael Jordan's advisor, Curtis Polk, uh, said that he and Jordan believed that the NASCAR teams would benefit from an NBA-like model that is less reliant on sponsors and more on media dollars. So that's why they've been working a lot on that with Denny Hamlin and with NASCAR uh, to look at that as a potential sponsor for the, for or as a potential solution uh, with sponsors' uh, dollars being uh, pretty tight, especially during these times of inflation. So I, I think that it's good to look at other alternatives, uh, but I don't think it can be exactly like they do in the stick and ball sports. I think that they're going to probably end up with a hybrid uh, model of what they're doing now and what that TV rights uh, solution might be. So, Andy, your thoughts? You know, I'm, I'm curious to see if this model is feasible for NASCAR or not. I mean, certainly if teams were to receive more of the TV funding, that's less funding that NASCAR would get. So I don't know how well that's going to go over um, if you're NASCAR. But, you know, I if you look at the NBA or the NFL, certainly, you know, what what largely in part funds those teams is, is the TV money, which is why you don't necessarily see um, – you know, sponsorship be as big of or play as big of a role as it does in NASCAR. But um, I don't really know if it works in this case because, for one thing, you have far more teams in NASCAR than you do um, you do in these other sports. And so, you know, how would TV funding, you know, be able to to, to go over to all these truck Xfinity and Cup Series teams? Uh, I just I'm just not sure if it's feasible or not. So I I don't know. I mean it's it's an interesting idea. Certainly um, Michael Jordan knows what he's doing. I mean obviously when you look at how successful he is, no doubt in my mind that you know he's got some good ideas and, and brings a lot to the sport as a team owner. Um, I just don't know if if the model that works in other sports is going to work here. Uh, I think that sponsorship is necessary and it's what keeps these teams going. It has been the case for a long time now, several decades. Um, you know, is it possible that, that teams could receive more of the TV funding? Possibly, but I just don't know if it would be enough to to really sustain and, and bring in the funding necessary uh, to field the cup car, you know, for a full 36-race schedule. So um, you got to consider that, you know, building and, and funding these race cars is way more expensive than it is um, to go out there and play a football game or a basketball game, you know. So um, I just don't think it's as feasible as we might think. So, I mean, well, I'd be curious to see if things change or not, but uh, it seems to me that the present-day model is what really, you know, seems to work best for for the ability for these teams to, to have the adequate funding to, to go out there and do what they need to do. And also – from the NASCAR standpoint of receiving the necessary funding they need to have to, to put on these events each and every week. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? 
Yeah, well, I think you hit on something of, of again, research into it um, and maybe come up with, I think Sharon used, used the word hybrid uh, plan there. But when you talk about that when it, with a, a sports team, they also, as I mentioned, they're in partnership with whatever facility, stadium they're at, um, and that's where part of their income then comes from as well, the attendance. You don't have that because the team owners aren't partnered with a particular track. You know, you give the, te- the teams a little bit more, the tracks are going to be the next one to say, hey, what about us? You know, truthfully, the teams, are that you know, their only source of income is the sponsorship money and what they win on, win on the track uh, as far as the race. Whereas a track, the facility, uh, they get the income, uh, a portion, I believe, um, from NASCAR, but then the ticket sales, and then they also have sponsorships or whatever they sell, plus they can host other events. Like I said, a race team, they're not going out and renting out their cars to somebody else on a weekend or anything. So I understand that, you know, the thought process, like you said, of that to help them out and sustain, but you're right. It can't really be compared to another sport like that that, again, it goes back to a franchise, and this is the way it's designed. Uh, they're partnered with whatever stadium and get a portion of that income and revenue and whatnot. So I think you're right. I think it's going to need to be a hybrid. And, and looking into it and, and coming with that is a good thing. I just wouldn't put a whole lot of uh, stock into it being, you know, this is going to fix all, you know, that one model of, hey, do what the NBA is doing or do what the NFL is doing. Right. And Andy, I think you did hit on a uh, very important point uh, about how feasible it really is for NASCAR, because let's kind of walk through this. When you think about a TV, uh, the TV rights, where do they get their income? It's from the commercials. Who are the people behind the commercials? In many cases, those are the same people that are sponsoring a lot of these teams. So they then have to make a decision. Do they put their money behind the TV rights or are they putting their money behind uh, the driver and the team? Um, and, and Or is it just a washout of how those dollars are coming to that team? Uh, I, I'm really not sure how that's going to work because I, I think it ends up being a wash. Uh, the other thing that goes along with that, especially when you think about inflation, uh, and what's happening right now is that it might even mean more commercials. As fans, do we really want more commercials in order to fund um, this TV rights deal uh, between the teams and and the TV owners? So it, it's a slippery slope. It really is a slippery slope. And I think in the end, uh, I would love to maybe see – somewhat of a hybrid model, but even with a hybrid model, I think you're taking, you're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, and it's the same dollars just coming in from a different direction. So I, I, I'm not sure, I think Andy makes a good point. I'm not sure it really works under the NASCAR model, and, and I don't know if it was Andy or Jay that brought this up, but who's the next ones in line to say, well, we want a piece of that pie too, and now we're talking more commercials in order to fund all of this stuff. But think about it. It's the same dollars uh, between the commercials 
that are going on to pay these team uh, owners and and the sponsors that are supporting these teams. Um, so I'm not sure that that's definitely going to be a solution. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. In the end, it, it, you know, when I think about it, it almost seems like a wash. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I just I'm just not sure that um, you know this that model is feasible in racing. You know, I just think that when you look at the overall money spent from each individual race team or the money that's required to to fund a cup car or an Xfinity car or a truck, you know, TV money more of it might be a good thing to possibly help offset the costs, but I just think that you know, it takes a lot more money to put a race car on the track each week than it does to go out there and, and, and play a football game or basketball. Now, you know, you know, granted those those athletes are are highly paid, but so are NASCAR drivers too. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just think that it's a it's an interesting idea. I just certainly would need to talk to somebody a lot smarter than me to see <laughs> see how feasible it is. Because to me, the sponsorship model is what really makes it go and and continues to make it go. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that we could totally go toward, you know, a model where TV money is what funds these race teams. I don't, I just don't think that's feasible. Okay. Jay, you get to bring up the next one. All right, let me take a peek on our list here of uh launching the streaming. I know we talked about that one. Oh, the one that the one here here is one that uh I found interesting. Uh Todd Gilliland's team at Front Row Motorsports appealing the uh they originally lost their crew chief for four races and I heard that today on NASCAR Sirius XM that they were appealing it. I don't know on what basis if they're going to try and say it was a safety issue and it wasn't their fault, but that they were going to appeal it. And the reason I find it interesting is we talked about this of Justin Haley's college racing team did not appeal theirs, which appeared to be a parts failure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, Andy, your thoughts about, uh, Front Row Motorsports and Tuckillaland appealing their penalty for a lost wheel uh, after Auto Club Speedway, at Auto Club Speedway. Seth Barber and crew members Jordan Osinski and Tanner Andrews all handed out penalties after Sunday's race. Yeah, very, very important that they do appeal this because if it can be proven that it was a parts failure versus the team making a mistake, then, you know, and, and you can uphold, the, or not uphold, but if you can reverse the penalty, you know, that's a big deal. So I think that it's important to appeal it because those team members now can continue to go to the racetrack and perform their jobs. In the meantime, while the facts are, are gathered and presented to the um, the appeals committee, you know, and, and, and allow them to make a to make a decision based off the, the actual facts. You know, I think that um, we're in a bit of a precarious position here to start the year because we've seen, 
mechanical problems and parts failures, and we've also seen negligence on the, the team's part, but if it can in fact be proven that this was a mechanical issue that was not derived from anything the team did, then um, kudos to Front Row Motorsports for, for appealing it because anytime you can, you know, retain your crew members and let them come to the track and perform their job, it's an important thing, especially for, you know, a rookie like Todd Gilliland, um, you know, it's a big penalty to be without your crew chief and without your normal team members. I think it's a the tire changer and somebody else, I forget who, but, um, you know, it would be a big loss to that team to lose all three of those crew members. So, um, whether, you know, in the past, obviously, whether the team's right or wrong, anytime you can appeal it, you know, and at least buy some time, um, is probably a good thing, you know, whether or not they win the, the second appeal or win the second, um, you know, win the, win the process by which they can either retain their crew members or not, um, you know, I think it's important that they do this, especially if they're in the right, you know, then they will ultimately, um, you know, serve no penalty and they can move forward. Oh, I think I'm just seeing slippery slopes here today. <laughs> I, I think it's a slippery slope. I, I hear your point, Andy. I think it's great. Uh, it buys them some time uh, to to, to uh, prove their case. But the burden of proof is going to be on them. And I think the slippery slope here is that not everybody is losing tires. There are certain teams that are losing tires. And um, in different weeks, it might be different teams. But I think that, uh, you know, on one side, you might be able to prove there's a parts failure. But on the other side, how do we know it's not the driving style of the driver that caused the part to fail? So I just think that, yeah, buy some extra time, and that's all good and well, but I think it's going to be difficult to prove a parts failure unless they can somehow show the piece was faulty to begin with. And if it was faulty to begin with, then why do you even have it on the car? Um, I, I don't um, – I, I think it's going to be a tough case for them to prove, to be honest with you. And I think it's going to be a slippery slope. It buys them time, but I'm not so sure that they're going to uh, be able to prove their their case. And um, if if you had, you know, a higher percentage of cars, let's say a quarter of a percent of the cars, uh, which is 10 cars or all having the same issue in the same race, that might be a parts failure. One car having that issue out of 40 cars on the track, it's going to be hard to prove a parts failure, in my mind. Jay? Well, you're right. That does come into play. And I think back to with the uh, back when the NASCAR issued the air guns, you know, if there was a problem, it was, okay, even if it was a parts failure, you know, there really isn't anything you can do about it. What what amazes me here is, like I said, Colleg Racing did not appeal theirs, and that clearly appeared to be a parts failure. Mm-hmm. Having watched the race, I wasn't even aware that Gillen's team had lost a wheel and to expect said penalty coming. Um, and this is my personal opinion, uh, Jay Hoosman. I feel like maybe the team is looking at it of, hey, Keselowski and Penske, got away with saying it was a safety issue. Maybe we can too. 
that, you know, there's <laughs> been enough talk about the, the tire problems and wheel problems of, hey, if we can say it's a safety issue, maybe we can get by with it too. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I have no evidence to, to try and prove that or, or anything. Like I said, that is just strictly my opinion. Because um, like I said, I wasn't even aware that he had lost a tire. Now, had Colleg Racing appealed theirs with Justin Haley, that one I think they at least had a fighting chance because that wheel clearly just came apart, the, the entire wheel, um, that they would at least had a better chance of getting that appeal. And I'm not sure, uh, you know, I know these teams always have, have strategies and plans of, okay, if we're going to lose our crew chief, if we know about it ahead of time, we can plan it versus this weekend we're not prepared I don't know what the cost is to go through the process of the appeal system versus losing their, the crew members this week versus next, but it does give them a, a chance, if nothing else, for this week, hey, by next week, we got to have another plan of who's going to do what and going to take over these roles. So maybe that strictly is of, hey, we just need to buy some time to get prepared for it because we know it's going to happen. Uh, I know uh, there's certain cases where, there, there is a time constraint, and if you're putting money into research or something, that there would be a cost with it. Maybe that is worth being the time to be prepared to accept the losses you know you're going to take anyway. Uh, again, I don't know that. Uh, that's just something that goes through my mind. Okay, Andy? Yeah, I don't really have any follow-ups to this. I can only assume that, you know, the team feels strongly enough that they were in the right and that by appealing this that they can possibly win this without suffering the penalty set forth by NASCAR. So we'll see what happens. Um, but that's two straight weeks in a row that we've seen significant suspensions and penalties from, you know, the result of lost wheels. And, and you know, that's, that's unfortunately a trend that I'm not sure we're going to see fixed right away because, um, you know, this is still a learning process for these teams. And, and again, there's only one lug nut on these wheels. And I don't know, like, it's there's no room for error. It's either on or it's not. And, um, you know, I unfortunately think this could be a, a, this could be a theme here, at least for the first few races of the season. So hopefully, hopefully they can determine it was a mechanical issue and they can move forward. Otherwise, you know, a four race suspension, for all three of those crew members is pretty hefty and, and certainly can have an impact on a team, especially for a rookie like Todd Gilliland, who's just getting his feet wet in the cup series. Absolutely. And I agree with a lot of what both you and Jay have said, Andy. Um, but there's a couple of things to speak to the thing with uh colleague racing and, and Justin Haley's car and losing that tire. One of the reasons I think they did not appeal that, was because Justin Haley said he he thought it might have something to do with how he was using the clutch, something that he was able to do in the old car he was apparently not able to do in this new car. And that said to me that it was a driver's driving style that has to change in these new cars with the one lug nut. Another point that I think did come out um, uh, as well, and I can't remember if I heard this from Chocolate Myers on, um, I think it was Chocolate Myers on SiriusXM, but he was talking about how process of taking these wheels uh, on, you know, taking that lug nut on and off of the car. There are little pieces of metal 
that can get into the grooves of the, the screw grooves, if you will. I don't know if I'm using the right terminology there, but that's the way I'll describe it. Um, there's little pieces of metal that get in there that when they're putting that lug nut back on, it can make it feel like it's tight when it's in reality not tight. So they have to take extra effort to get that um, that uh, lug nut in there, even if it feels tight, give it an extra little twist, if you will, in order to ensure that it's on there tight. So I think that's two things um, that kind of answer some of the things that you guys have brought up. Uh, Justin Haley's only own admission that he thought it had something to do with the, what he was doing with the clutch and the little pieces of metal that are getting stuck in the screw grooves uh, that are making it feel like it's tight for the pit crew when in actuality it's not. So again, <clears throat> they have to, to be able to prove those points, um, prove their case. Uh, and, and, the, and again, maybe they do have something that they feel they can prove and that's why they're confident in coming through with this um, uh, appeal. Uh, and kudos to them if they can prove the point that there is a parts issue. But uh, I, I do think that uh, the, the burden of uh, proof is going to be on their shoulders. Uh, and uh, it will give them some time and maybe they feel like um, they can kind of plan that four-week stretch where they lose their uh, staff uh, as a part of that penalty. Uh, they can kind of manipulate when that four race period happens. Uh, I don't know any of that. I'm just speculating here like everybody else, uh, but I'm giving some specific examples here of why I think it might be tough. Okay, Jay. Yeah, well, some of you said there, uh, and I think we have heard of this in the past, um, use the word manipulate of, planning of which races they're going to lose that said crew chief at maybe they have somebody in mind that, that can handle it that track or if todd's better at these particular tracks coming up um that they try and push that back you know again you know these teams are smart and and at the top for a reason because they think of these things but yet nobody thought about the interliner issue but going back to that um so you know whatever their reason you know it's their decision uh, like I said, I was a little a little surprised being that colleague racing didn't, but I hadn't heard that specifically from Justin Haley admitting that maybe it was something he was doing. So um, there are several things that, like that, that w the car as a whole, everything that these drivers are going to have to adjust to. And I know there were a couple of different teams, William Byron, Ryan Blaney, um, in the first two races that have had a problem with that gun onto the lug, the one lug, Unilug. I think it was Larry McReynolds maybe that used that Unilug. Um, <laughs> that fitting it on there or having a problem with that gun of fitting and, yeah, that shave metal part, I hadn't heard that. I mean, that's one, you know, again, hadn't been seen or thought of. Then I'm sure they'll come with something to prevent that, you know, some type of screen or uh, air blower that keeps it blowed out. That, that they can be worked around that are going to be those, I think it was Andy that said that the little hiccups that are going to come with a new procedure or car, uh, something like that. So we'll have to see how much this continues. I'm with you, Sharon, though. It is a, a small percentage 
um, of the teams that we're seeing have these problems. So, yeah, I don't view it as an overall issue as of yet. Okay. Um, let's see. We're, yeah, I don't think we have time for any more So uh, for tonight, but I, I think we had some really good discussion here uh, and good points brought up by everybody. So let's go ahead and start with our roundtable. Andy, you want to kick that off? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it can be followed on Twitter at uh, CB14Fan, and um thankful to be back on tonight after missing a couple shows, but uh, always fun to get on here and talk about what's going on, and, and certainly excited that uh, all three series will be in action at Vegas this weekend. So had a pretty good little streak in the points. Like I said before the year, I was coming out strong, trying to win some races, and we've done that. So off to a good start with the fantasy points, and Hopefully we keep it going to Vegas. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you can follow me on social media, uh, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. This weekend, hopefully, is the opening night of Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway. If you're a little further to the east, go see Chris Crichton, the dirtiest voice in the south, or hear him, if you will, at Why Not Motorsports Park, House of Hook. And if you're even further east into Alabama, we talked about this and put the focus on these short tracks, the Montgomery 200 at Montgomery Motor Speedway. Uh, great race. I've seen it. Uh, go check that out. Uh, your up-and-coming star is going to come from these spots. Okay. Uh, if you didn't get a chance uh, to listen in earlier, I'd like to encourage everybody to go back and hear our interview with Amber Slagle. Uh, from Cook Racing Technologies uh, in the second half hour of our show here tonight. Uh, it was a great interview and a, a good way to kind of get to know her and how she came into the sport and uh, all the things that she does. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, and then also um, uh, I want to do a shout-out, of course, uh, to our fan for racing team here tonight, both Andy Last, Jay Huseman, uh, for all that you guys do. You always make the conversation very interesting and and uh, uh, compelling and uh, food for thought. And I appreciate that about both of you guys and uh, definitely looking for the next time that we're all together. Uh, as uh, well, I want to shout out to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, you guys are always great uh, for tuning in. Our numbers have been up and on the rise here, and uh, I hope they continue to do so uh, throughout the rest of this season. Uh, we appreciate everybody who takes the time to tune in to hear what we have to say. And uh, anytime you want to kind of chime in uh, with a comment, uh, drop us a line on Twitter or Facebook or, uh, you know, call us, and uh, we'll try to bring you into the queue here. But uh, uh, definitely uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. So uh, the other thing, there's something else I know I wanted to mis- mention, and for some reason it's eluding me right now. Um, but uh, I do know, uh, looking at upcoming shows here, on Monday, we do have James Bicker, who we've mentioned it several times here tonight, uh, coming on the show at the 9 o'clock hour. And then on Thursday night next week, it's JoJo Wilkinson at 9 o'clock here on Banford Racing Radio. So set your uh, 
markers for uh, the 8.30 start and uh, hot topics uh, at 10 on both of those nights. So thank you, everybody. Uh, and with that, I guess we'll just call it a night. Have a good night. Enjoy Vegas. <laughs> Viva Las Vegas, everybody. We'll talk to you on the other side. Good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.